This show is a part of the FM Podcast Network. Visit us at fmpods.com. When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call them a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one live set at a time, part of the FM Podcast Network. I'm your host, Rob Kelly. And joining us this week, the first show of 2024, to discuss the complete Buddha Can 1978 set on bamboo flute is Jason MD. Hi, Jason. Welcome back. Top of the season to you, Rob. It's delightful to be back. Cheers, man. Absolutely. Uh, I've said, I mentioned this is the first show of the new year. This is also our 300th episode of Pod Dylan. Thank you. Uh, you were, of course, on our 200th episode where we discussed Joey. Mm. Uh, this, this, <laughs> this conversation <laughs> will be less question mark contentious than that one, but we'll, we'll find out as we, as we go. But yeah. This was something, you know, this, this set was released uh, in the middle of November, something I wanted to get to it. It was a little daunting because of its sheer length, four hours mm-hmm. and 30 minutes. And yeah. so it was something I was like, well, I'm going to get to it eventually. And then it all just sort of lined up perfectly. Of course you have a connection to this concert hall and we'll we'll talk about that but let's let's start before we even talk about this set this newly released set is what were your general feelings about the original budokan album that came in the live album that came out in 78 because it was not considered by most people like you know one of the one of the most star wars releases right yeah well I came to it without any expectations whatsoever because I didn't know anything about Dylan. That may be the third Dylan album that I ever heard, actually, with my own weird trajectory, which which goes down in the groove. <laughs> oh, mercy, <laughs> live at Budokan, right? What, what on <laughs> earth? So I heard most of these songs for the first time in, in that in the Japanese concert way, right? Like Shelter from the Storm and Don't Think Twice, It's All Right, Oh Sister, etc. Like that was the first time I ever heard them was on the Budokan record. And I loved it. Uh, I thought it was weird and noisy and crazy and strange. This was long before I moved to Japan, of course. I just, well, okay. I, w- I wasn't sure if I was going to tell you this, but I just, I just come back from Zimbabwe spent a year in Zimbabwe on a rotary exchange. And I remember sitting on the front steps of my parents' house, uh, shirtless and draped in Zimbabwean necklaces and bracelets. Right? Like I just wow. missed Zimbabwe listening to Bob Dylan's live at Budokan and, you know, going, who am I? Where am I? What on, <laughs> what is happening? Yeah. So I really liked it from the start. It was only later that I found out that you're not supposed to like it. Right. But by then it was too late. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the best way to approach it is to just go into it pure, you know, and, and, uh, I, you How know, about I, you? well, okay. Um, I don't think that when I got it, I was cognizant of any reviews. I don't think I was reading reviews at that time. And this was, this was pre-internet when I just, when I really got into Bob. So, I mean, if I, if I read reviews, it had to have been in a book or a magazine, but other than that, it was, you know, they're a little harder to find you know, reviews of a 1978 concert mm-hmm. album uh, in 1990 or 1992. I remember being struck by the sound and just, it, as you said, it was so strange. 
And, you know, when you think about his tours, his big tours of the seventies, and he's, you know, he's doing the one in 74 with the band, which is this very punchy rock and roll Mm -hmm. sound. And then of course he moves on to rolling thunder, which is punchy in its own way, but different. And then you get this, which is like the, family friendly bob dylan i guess you would say that kind of just it's just softer it's just everything mm. is just more approachable in some ways and you know i so I, you know i got the record and i and by the way i will i will mention like i i took i really took to the um the like a rolling stone and we'll go through the songs in in, in a bit but like that version i remember thinking was really terrific i liked yeah. how different that was but Agreed. some of the others were just puzzling to me a little uh you know um, Fair enough and and then you know then he moves on into the 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 born again tour which is again another hard turn so you look at these four tours and you're like god he really was trying to do something very very different well and even all... going going back even further than that like you know going electric you know mm-hmm. uh that pissed everybody off too right and then then yeah then you're right so it's the electric tour that pisses everybody off the band tour pisses some people off because it's too shouty, right? Although it was a financial success, right? Like yeah, it was huge. Yeah, it was monster, yeah. huge success. But but you don't hear too many people talk about that live record with any particular fondness, right? Mm. I I quite like it, but um, most people it just seems to like Budokan. It's kind of yeah, not 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 for me, man. You know. And then yeah, this weird super duper Neil Diamond slash las vegas slash elvis tour right whatever those things mean because i'm not sure i know what those things mean yeah and then the christian stuff so he's been pissing people off every tour he does right (laughs) and then that's never stopped and until maybe now right people seem to dig the the rough and rowdy tour although Mm -hmm. there's not enough of the old songs or like does he really need to play Black Rider? You know, but people seem to finally accept it. He's going to do whatever he wants, right? But it, it's taken, what is that, 30? 55 40, years. 55 <laughs> years, yeah. Only 55 for, for us to come around, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I I think part of the, the problem with his live albums in general um, is I think that they often – her, the the out al- the resulting album um is not I, you know it's hard to say because it makes it sound like I'm, I'm speaking for everybody when of course I'm only speaking for myself but go ahead I feel I feel like a lot of his live albums once you then get the bootlegs and you hear the other material you mm. say hmm the resulting record is not they they pulled they made some weird pulls. For the mm. resulting record, and that right. I, and that seems to have happened a lot, and so that why makes you just kind of go, well, all right, well, this material, okay, this material, there's actually a lot of really interesting stuff here, but they didn't use a lot of it, or they chose this over that, and why did they, why did they do that? Now, I will say, um, I think list. By the way, the, it's called the Complete Budokan 1978. Now, that is a bit of a misnomer. Because the these two concerts were recorded February twenty eighth, nineteen seventy eight, and March first, nineteen seventy eight. If you don't know, that sounds like well, those were the he only did two concerts at this hall, the Budokan, mm. 
And that's what this is. Well, that's not true. He actually did several shows in 70. He did shows on February 20th, the 21st, the 23rd, the 28th, as we mentioned, March 1st, March 2, 3, and 4, and 6. Right. So he did a lot of shows. Now, apparently most of them were not recorded for any purposeful live album. It was those two dates, February 28th and March 1st, that were recorded. And that's what they had to perm from. So mm. right there, they were, you know, kind of distilling it down a little bit. But even then, there's some songs on this complete set that I hear myself going, well, Jack, why didn't that, why isn't that on there? I did, that's kind of weird. Yeah, because... Most of it's taken from the March 1st, right? The bulk mm-hmm. of it's from the March like 1st. Like 15 of the songs or something. Yeah. It's only Shelter from the Storm, Love Minus Zero, Simple Twist of Fate, uh, Don't Think Twice, It's All Right, Ma, Forever Young, and Times Are Changing from the uh, from the from the February 28th show, right? The rest mm-hmm. is from the 1st. And that was after, I didn't know this till recently. Like They played a couple shows in Tokyo. Then he went to Osaka and played there. Mm-hmm. And then back to Tokyo, and that's when yep. the shows were recorded. I sort of always thought they were the first show. That's what I always heard, right? The first sloppy show in Tokyo. Why did they put out the first sloppy show from Tokyo? But it's, that's not what it was at all, right? That's Although funny. You can, that... you can hear, like, at one point when Bob says, well, it must sound better out there than it sounds up here, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess they hadn't worked it out yet. That's what I've always heard about that tour, that that – it was much better later on, right? And huh. they sort of jumped the gun by releasing these early shows. Uh, but I don't know. I haven't heard any of the later shows from the tour, but it sounds like you have, man. How are they? I've I've heard little bits and pieces. Um, I've tried to track down some stuff because, again, he, you know, uh, like the first Budokan show that he did, February 20th, he did a version of uh, Something There Is About You, which he's, I think, mm. has never done live since. So, I mean, right. I like, wow. Like, okay, <laughs> that's interesting. So, now you have been to this hall. You've been to Budokan. Not only have I been there, I I may be your only guest, Rob, who's been thrown out of the Budokan by politely sinister or sinisterly polite security guards. <laughs> it was when my dad, his first visit to Japan, it was our first full day in in Tokyo. So we got up and he wanted to see the Imperial Palace. So we went there and we were on our way from there to uh, Yasukuni Shrine, which that's the controversial one, occasionally visited by prime ministers. And it irritates the Chinese and the Koreans because all Japanese war dead are enshrined there, including, you know, the total assholes. So it's a problematic shrine. Anyway, we were on our way to, to see that. And then I thought, oh, look, it's the, <laughs> what have we here? It's hmm. the Budokan. And it was, um, it had just emptied out from, it was a graduation ceremony, probably university, I think, university graduation ceremony. So there are a lot of uh, uh, young women in kimonos taking pictures with their parents and so on, around, milling about. And we thought, perfect. So we just slipped in a side door and we, we were only there for a couple of minutes, just, just, just enough time to take a couple pictures and say, wow, this is, I remember thinking, this is the place. This <laughs> is the very place. And then we were, yeah, uh, unceremoniously <laughs> shown the door by some very serious, but still polite uh, security guards. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. But I do remember now, like how you always talk about, Rob, the, um, that, 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 Short, sort of shock of seeing Bob live, right? In the same mm-hmm. room. And you go, that's the guy. 
uh, I think there's a an associated shock that comes with some places, right? That are associated oh, sure. with that sure, you care yeah. about. It's not exactly the same as seeing Bob's hair poke above the piano, like you know, as mm, there he is. But yeah, just being in the Budokan and going, and I do remember thinking, this is where Dylan recorded that record instead of say Beatles or uh, Kiss or uh, whoever else. Right? I remember thinking, oh man, it's not that big a place, you know. In your mind, it's this huge. It's as it's as big as your feelings about the album, right? And you go, oh, it's, <laughs> it's not that big, actually. Hmm. Here we are. Yeah. Uh, but I, I I do think that's true. I don't know what you call that, that feeling you get about being in the actual social historical place. But I think you know what I mean, right? Oh, completely. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's like this is a a piece of the history. This, yeah. you know, the, the, there's an album uh, was created here. Uh, and yes. so that is definitely a thing. What's you, you know, like how big is it? Is it a, like a cavernous kind of hall or is it sort of intimate? I mean, what's. Yeah, it's no, it's 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 more of an auditorium than a concert hall. You know, it's it may be maybe 10,000 seats, maybe less. Could be nine, eight, something like that. It's okay. not that big. You know, it's comprehensively, you know, the Budokan. You, oh, here it is. It's not like, I don't know. I've been to, I mean, I saw the Rolling Stones at Wembley mm. Stadium, right? That was too massive to understand, you know? Right, right, right. Uh, what's the biggest show you've ever seen in the biggest place? Oh, uh, oh, oh, um, it's got to be uh, Bruce Springsteen at uh, the Giants Stadium in, <laughs> in North Jersey. That's right. got to be the biggest one. Because that I remembered being struck by um at the end of the one of the um encores he does born to run and and at the point you know tramps like us they turn the lights on and mm-hmm. there were a sea of fists pumping <laughs> and i remembered i remembered thinking i don't know why my brain works this way but i remember thinking in this moment i'm like Man, thank goodness Bruce Springsteen uses his powers for good because this could get ugly real fast if he very was, fast. If yeah. this became like a Nuremberg rally or something, because <laughs> right. everyone is totally in his sway here. But that yeah. was probably the biggest one because it was just that 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 stadium was just massive, and so uh, yeah, yeah that, that's probably the biggest one. And that's I, I've you know I've listened to you talk about going live shows and you're feeling about it and going to concerts and so on, and I tend to agree with you. It's kind of I don't know. It's a pain in the ass, right? The whole thing is yeah. a pain in the ass. And then it's a pain in the ass to be there apart from seeing the guy, you know, or whoever the band or whoever you've gone to see. But how do you feel about live records? Do you like live albums? Are you a fan of them? Do you? Uh... I, well, okay. I mean, of, of Bob's, I, I said this a while ago on a, on the show and a bunch of people really took me to task for it. Um, but like, I don't, I think that the, the, the live album as a concept is something is one of the few things that Bob Dylan has not completely cracked. I, I think now Agreed. I, I mean, people said, Oh, well, what about the, the live world Albert, you know, quote unquote, wrote Royal Albert Hall shows. That's different because that is going back in time and mm-hmm. pulling something that you knew was great and just never got released. I'm talking about in the moment where he was putting these out as commemorative releases uh, of the tours he was doing. I don't mm-hmm. think he's ever quite now. Now, some of them are great. I think the Hard Rain record is great, but I don't think 
he's just there's just something you're just like ah this material like the Dylan and the Dead we talked about that on the show we're like you know that's a, a you know much you know disregarded live album and you go back and you listen to the material for that and you're like good lord they really almost went out of their way to pick the worst material to put it on the record <laughs> right. and so you know I I. I like hearing Bob's live stuff. I love hearing it on YouTube and, and some of his live performances of songs I've absolutely fallen in love with. I still, to this day, don't understand like why the supper clubs are still, you know, like mm. missing in action. I don't get that, you know, what that, what that's about. Cause I've heard those and those are really great. Those are terrific, mm. but yeah. yeah. And so, you know, listening to this, listening to the complete Budokan, I came away with, like I think what you're supposed to, I came away from these shows with a better appreciation of what this was versus the one that he put out in 1978. Now, obviously these are for diehards because it's four hours and 30 minutes worth of content. The, you know, a, a, yeah. a casual Bob Dylan fan is not going to sit through this much material and hearing kind of the same songs over and over again, but right. listening to it straight through, I was like, okay, he, this was a, a thing he was trying to do, and you can argue some places it works and some places it doesn't. But once again, he's trying something very different from anything he's done before. Good on him for doing that. Yeah. And you're right. Sometimes it really works. I think some of those versions are better than any other versions I've ever heard. Right. Ooh. Like, um, I think that like the desire stuff, Oh Sister mm-hmm. and um, Cup of Coffee. I love Oh Sister. Are, I think those Sister are is terrific. Phenomenal. Yeah. So spooky and weird and great. Mm-hmm. Very cinematic um, and actually kind of, I think, a little tonally closer to what the rest of Desire sounds like than the one on the actual record. Yeah. So, yeah, I think those yes. sisters great on this. And then sometimes, like, I'm not sure. I, I can never decide if I if I prefer that it's all right, uh, Ma. It's pretty <laughs> bombastic. It may be too bombastic, right? And mm-hmm. there are certainly versions that, like, I think... Um, all along the watchtower doesn't work at all. I think that's just, it's too rocked up, too rocked up for my taste. Same with Maggie's farm. It's like, Oh, oh man, it's <laughs> overcooked a little bit. But <laughs> on the other hand, I like the shelter from the storm. I think works great. I think mm-hmm. uh, love minus zero works great. <laughs> okay. No, are you? I, no, I, no, you know what? No, no, no. I, I, I I'll tell you. So like, there's what, I think there's three versions of that on the, on this record. There's three. And the first one that you get to, if you listen to it chronologically, uh-huh. uh, well, not chronologically, you listen to the order that it's been put on. Um, well, I guess that would be chronologically. You listen to it. Right. And it's got that flute. <laughs> you're, you're <laughs> initially like, flute. what yeah. the hell is this? You True. know? And then, we got to the we I, I say we because as, as I mentioned on Twitter, I decided to listen to this entirely during the time I would walk my dog. I wanted mm-hmm. to I, I just wanted to sort of separate it from the podcast listening I do and everything else. So I was like, OK, I will only listen to the Budokan record as I walk Pippa. And I learned that by in I walked Pippa four hours and 30 minutes in two days. She gets a lot of walks. I just I was like, wow, this is a lot of walking for this dog. Yeah. But anyway. The first one, right? It's got the, the, the you know, it speaks like sound. <laughs> and I was like, what? You know, come on. What is this? And then when they got to the second one that doesn't have the flute, mm-hmm. it, it it just has the it has the instrumentation, but doesn't have the flute. I, I caught myself going, oh, damn, where's the flute? 
<laughs> so I missed right. it already. So yeah, yeah. I was like, damn it, Bob, you got me. <laughs> you missed the flute. I did. You the flute on your walk with the dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I can, I, what do you do? I can see why people, some people who are, they, they love the, with the 66 tour or whatever. I just want him on stage with a guitar, right? Mm -hmm. Singing these songs. Okay, this is not for you. Uh, or even I like the shouty band stuff. Okay, this is not for you. But I don't know. I kind of like these weird versions that he's, again, he's trying something new. He wants, he clearly always wanted to be a rock star, right? I think that's <laughs> true. And this was his big stab at being a big Elvis style rock star, right? Now, maybe he decided at the end, that's maybe not for me. Maybe that's not, maybe, okay, I'm going to, am I going to do the voice? I'm not going to do the voice, but <laughs> I, <laughs> this is not for me. Maybe I should scale it back or do something different or whatever. Or he just got tired of it. Like he seems to do all the time, right? He gets tired of things. He's restless. And that's what we love about him, I think, is that he 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 keeps trying something new with these songs he knows that the songs are elastic enough and powerful enough to contain whatever he wants to do with them so he keeps doing this right i'll okay i'll do it acoustic i'll do it big band i'll do it quiet i'll do it with some backup singers speaking of which that's mm. maybe my favorite thing about this collection is those backup singers it's gorgeousness i love it i love how they sound and that when they come in sometimes you go oh Wonderful. And that takes me back to his appreciation of the Beatles and the Beatles appreciation of um, girl groups, early girl groups from the mm -hmm. 50s and 60s. Right. Like that kind of I think there's a connection there. I think there's a through line there. And he was trying it out. And then how does he introduce them? This is my fiance and this is my ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> I got to that part. Right. And I when he's like, my fiance, Helena Springs, I was like, huh? And then yeah. he's like, my ex-wife, Debbie, died. I went, oh, okay. He's doing, yeah. a, he's doing a bit. Okay. All right. Okay. And then I met the other one in a department store or whatever it is that he says. Yeah. yeah you know, it's kind of, but I do think that he's just, again, trying out and God love him for having the, the guts to go, okay, I want to try this out, this tour. You know, that's what I want to do. And the suits and everything, right? The Neil Diamond suits. Great. And nobody liked it. So he's like, all right. <laughs> so what nobody's liked what i've done from the start so but what how long was it between this tour and the next tour do you know a couple of years, well, this, two so, years so this is uh no i mean he was doing that tour the next one in by october of 79 i believe so you're talking 16 months and i mean right. he kept touring i mean he didn't he went on to australia after this which yeah. is, by the way, that's a punishing schedule, you know, for a, I, a, anybody. Just I by the way, it. just just flying on a plane like that. But it it is so funny when you think about it that, like, we you know, we all have the benefit of hindsight that we've all been around. We we've known Bob, most of us, for fifty. You know, as a mm. recording artist, for he's got a sixty year history. We're not come, not all of us are coming into it with that much history, but we we know about it, and it's just so much easier to put stuff in context. You just say, well, if this live album doesn't do it for you, there's all the there's the original yeah. versions. You Pick know, another. If, if, yeah, and and you just look at it and you say, why did everybody get so angry? Like, <laughs> you know, like what's the so what? You know, like like I mean, look, I know a lot of people exactly. really. I know a lot of people really like the slow. I want you. Mm. Um, 
And and uh, like Henry Bernstein talks about that that's his favorite version. I think now, I think as he said, that's the version he heard first. Um, I'm guessing that would be the same for you, right? You, yeah. if you, this was your third record. Mm-hmm. So I, to me, it, it, I, it no versus the one on blonde. I get you know the 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 guitar riff on the one on blonde and blonde to me is like pure bliss. And so um, this slow one doesn't just do it for me. But I can appreciate. Okay, he's taking a song that was so um, catchy and slowing it down and turning it into this ballad. And it may not work for me, but I still have the other one. There's nothing to be angry about. I still (laughs) have the one I like. It's fine. You know, it's like you just think about like, why? What a waste of time for so many people to be like, ah, this stuff sucks. What's he doing? Well, all right, move on to the next thing. What's the problem? Don't listen to it. Yeah, Yeah. there's not a problem there. Also. Can we, do we agree? Can we agree that uh, the man in me on here sort of, that's the price of admission right there? Like, it's great. I'd loved it. What do you think? No? What a bizarro, to take a song that is so simple and sweet and romantic and then add, (laughs) he's turned it into another triad song where there's like, he's he's talking about someone else that he loves more. Versus yeah. this other part. And you're like, wow, he's just completely subverting that entire song. And it is. It's a, it's a, it's a brave attempt to completely change yeah. the song into something else. And also a brave attempt to, to change it, a uh, sort of relatively, uh, you know, unfamous song. That's an obscure mm-hmm. song mm-hmm. on this set that is supposed to be his big sort of, you know, that was one of the criticisms. Oh, it's just a greatest hits tour, you know, as demanded by the Japanese promoters or whatever. What? The man in me with new lyrics. <laughs> I love when he does uh, it's on disc one and he does, is your love in vain? And yeah. I guess he was <laughs> underwhelmed by the audience's response. And he goes, here's a song you might know better. And then he launches into Going, 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 Gone. Going, Going, Gone. A, not a famous song, even nope. though it was only a couple of years old. And Which... completely rewritten anyway. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I Nobody mean, it's got the it. refrain. Yeah. It's got Going, Going, Gone. In it. See, but it was like, I just love that it's here's one you might know better. Oh, yes. We all know this this big hit from Planet Waves. Like, what? <laughs> Exactly. The other thing too I noticed was that is from stuff I read that like people labeled this the alimony tour because he had just gotten he had finally gotten this experience, which is by the way, just a real dick move to go and do that. But anyway, to call it that, he sounds on stage like he's having a good time. He doesn't Mm. we've all heard him live where he sounds real pissed off. And he doesn't want to be there. This is and not bored. that. Yeah, yeah. Or no, bored. Right. Yeah, but this is not that. He's kidding around. He's he's making little asides. I mean, he seems, uh, you know. And then the other thing is, um, the, the the second song on the first disc is a cover, "Repossession Blues," which to yeah. me is just a purposeful dig at people calling it the Alimony Tour. Is right? Is singing a cover about somebody who's lost everything. Like he's purposely having a. Taking a piss out of that. So I was like, I don't get the reputation that he was like, oh, he's all cranky and mad about this. Like, he sounds like he's enjoying himself. I like that cover. And I like the Mm -hmm. cover on this, on the March uh, 1st one, too, that Lover with a Feeling. I think Mm -hmm. that's great. What do you make of that uh, instrumental version of Hard Rain? (laughs) So I listened to 
I was not, I didn't look at the set list before I started playing it. I just hit play. Yeah. And I'm listening to it. I'm like, oh, this is uh, interesting. I'm like, when's the song going to kick in? You know, when's the lyrics? And I'm like, hmm, okay. And then it moves on to the next. I'm like, oh, that's what that was. Like, okay. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I had any reaction to it. It seems very, I mean, what do you think of it? It seems very strange to take one of his most famous songs and just strip all the lyrics out of it. I was listening to it yesterday and thinking, if I didn't know what this song was, like you could put some really poppy, hopeful, <laughs> happy mm-hmm. lyrics to that because it's a pretty jaunty melody, at least the, the way they play it there, right? Wow. Uh, what a strange thing to do. And then to come on again and to play a cover, right? That's the, as if he's caved into anybody, right? <laughs> this whole thing that he's mad. He's caving into Japanese promoters, etc. No. Instrumental hard rain, obscure cover nobody's ever heard of before, except for him. <laughs> and then Mr. Tambourine Man with with excessive flute. This is a strange thing to do. Like he's still fucking with us. That's what I love about it, you know. That he's he never he never gives up. And uh, like and you were saying, wow, four hours of music to listen to. And I thought, holy shit, like that. You mentioned this many times on your show, Rob, but just the volume of material this guy mm-hmm. has, right? Like how much he works. How could you, I can't, I mean, I've been a fan of this whole record for a long time, but I don't think I could sing everything without the record playing in the background to help me out. I think I would get lost in Ballad of a Thin Man or uh, Like a Rolling Stone. Like I might, ooh, that memory that feat of memory that he does every night is astonishing and i don't think Mm -hmm. that gets the proper attention you know um however what what should get more attention is his bullshit um liner notes for this record (laughs) which if you'll indulge me rob of course the more i think about it the more i realize what i left behind in japan my soul my music and that sweet girl in the geisha house, I wonder, does she remember me? If the people of Japan want to know about me, they can hear this record. Also, they can hear my heart still beating in Kyoto at the Zen Rock Garden. Someday I will be back to reclaim it. Okay, that's some cornball shit. Man. <laughs> it's like something you would write if you're like a serviceman, you know, and you were stationed there. That he's like, I. I swear to God, I think he had just seen Marlon Brando's Sayonara and he was like just getting all romantic and stuff. Yeah, that is that is some purple prose, man. That's <laughs> very purple. Oh, does she remember me? No, no, she doesn't. But I was glad to read in um, <clears throat> just checking out various things prior to talking uh, with you about this that, yeah, when they went to Osaka from Tokyo, a couple shows in Osaka, and then he did get a chance to go to Kyoto. I read an account somebody who was with him uh at the time and in kyoto is a wonderful city right like it's some of the most beautiful temples in the world right so and again back to sense of place i've been to that zen rock garden it's called ruanji i was stood in the exact same place that bob stood digging those weird rocks right (laughs) in the sand uh I kind of like that. You know, I'm glad that he was there. I'm glad that he had a great time in Kyoto. You know, I'm glad that he seems to have enjoyed his time in Japan. And we should talk about this too. Um, 
one of the reasons these are great concerts is because the crowd is so respectful and quiet, mm-hmm. right? They clap mm-hmm. at the end of the song and then they shut the fuck up, which is my mm-hmm. experience of Japanese audiences at concerts. Very respectful, very knowledgeable for one thing. They know, you know, it's only the people who really love. It's not like, oh, what should we do tonight? It's because he bobbed in. Okay, why not? Everybody in the Budokan for those concerts was a Bob Dylan fan, clapped appreciatively after every song, and then waited to see what would happen next, right? Mm-hmm. Which I love, except for that one guy and the, on the March 1st show. <laughs> you can hear yelling after every song. Yeah! <laughs> but I love that guy. And at one point, it seems like Bob sort of gives him a yell back, and he's, the guy seems quite satisfied. I thought, that's terrific. But yeah, that... That's what concerts are like in Japan. Um, appreciative, but then, yeah, okay, now what? You know, everybody calms down, <laughs> which is terrific, right? Nobody's yelling Judas at him at this point. Nobody's right? yelling anything except for that one guy going, yeah. Right. <laughs> but, but that's so, all right. Forgive this question. In, in from your, at least where you live, is, is English uh, something that most people ha- there have a basic fluency in, or is that? is that rare well mm, basic fluency that's yeah that's rare i would say okay because i'm I'm just wondering like what is it about like if 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 the if if a large section of the people i mean obviously there was enough of a of an audience for him to do you know eight shows in in a in the space of two weeks there's obviously a large constituency there for him, but I, like, you know, does that most of these people under literally understand what he is singing or is it just that the music is transcending that? And I mean, we know he's popular all over the world and obviously right. not, not everybody is understanding the words. I'm, I'm not sure. I always understand what he's saying <laughs> as far as that goes, but yeah, just like I said, everybody there was a huge fan, right. Of the, of the records. That's the way it works over here. So how much they understood of it, I don't know. But like when he, yeah, going, going, gone. Here's one you might know. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. But he could pull that kind of stunt on any audience anywhere, right? And people would be like, hey, wait a minute. I don't know this. What the hell is this? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's true. Sometimes I don't know what he's singing and I speak English. Not always fluently, but sometimes yeah. even I'm like, what is he saying? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, so I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, I mean, live wise, there were some songs. I, you know, I looked up some of these songs, and like some of these songs that are getting live treatments uh, got live outings for Budokan, and then never again. Like, like uh, "Is Your Love in Vain" and mm-hmm. "Oh Sister" and "All I Really Want to Do." N- none of them have been performed since 1978. So, I mean, you know, he's pulling out. I mean, some of these songs, obviously, Is Your Love in Vain was brand new because it was right off the right. street legal. And Oh, Sister yeah. was it. But nevertheless, like some of these songs, he truly did leave in Japan because he never did them again. And that makes it unique by it by itself. I mean, yes, there are a lot of hits here. But I don't hmm. listen to this. I don't think of it like, oh, this is the greatest hits concert. It doesn't. It feels like a nice mix. As you mentioned, it's got an instrumental Hard Rain's Gonna Fall, then yeah. a cover, and then you've got Mr. Tambourine Man, which was a genuine hit. I mean, one of his most famous songs. I love the arrangement of it, and to me, it is completely sounds like uh, the theme from, you know, the uh, Only in My Head, the Patey Freeling Saturday morning cartoon of the same name, 1979 to 1979. 
Uh, and then he follows it up with, I threw it all away. Another right. obscure one. So, I mean, it's, yeah, he gets into Rolling Stone and I shall be released in Maggie's farm, but it's not, it, it's, it's a nice mix. It's really not a greatest hits collection. I agree. And even that sounds like a Bob Dylan greatest hits. Right. Did he really right. have great hits? I mean, like a Rolling Stone. Okay. Uh, blown in the wind and times there are changing, but what else do people on the street know? Yeah, he does do Forever Young. I mean, that's a genuine okay. one. That's, that's and and genuine Watchtower. One. But even then, it's only a couple of... Th- yeah, Blown in the Wind. I will say, okay, that is one. The Blown in the Wind, Um, I like part of it. And yeah. then when he when he does the thing about uh, uh, how long to hear people cry, I'm like, yeah. what, uh, that part, I'm like, Bob, what are you doing? <laughs> Agreed, yeah. <laughs> why, is he, why is he hamming that one up? That's a great, you know, you know. But then he goes and he does, I don't believe you. She acts like we never have met, which he hardly right. ever does. Yeah, and yeah. it's terrific. What was, what year was the, the last waltz? This is around the same time, isn't it? Well, last, he, last waltz was released in 78, but they did it in 76. Okay. Right. Uh, all right. Yeah. I was just, cause maybe was he coasting on some of that? You know, for some of those songs there, like, um, like I don't believe you. Maybe I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, clearly, he wasn't worried about flooding the market anymore with his stuff, which was apparently the his his problem with the last waltz. Right? Don't film me <laughs> because my super hot movie is coming out. Yeah, uh, that didn't work out. But yeah, I I don't know. I think you're right. I think it's a good mix. I, for me, it's a totally satisfactory mix. And I love the reggae um, version of Don't Think Twice, man. For me, mm-hmm. that's the the that's the version for me. But again, because that's the first time I, uh, the first way I heard it, you know, I was also, of course, struck by the lyrics. Like These are fantastic lyrics, right? You know, uh, that could work in any situation, right? Like these songs are so great. It doesn't matter maybe in the end where you hear them because you go, Oh, such wonderful lyrics. That's at least for me been true. Yeah. I mean, he's constantly proving how elastic these things are that they can, he can, you know, bend them into this shape that you wouldn't imagine. I mean, yeah, the, the shelter from the storm, mm. think about, think about how we heard that song off of, blood on the tracks right and then yeah. we finally hear it live on hard rain and it is unrecognizable in a great way but it's but unrecognizable the oh the best that's the oh best. man that hard rain version is just you know yeah, yeah um god tier totally. level right and and you think wow look at what he transformed it into and then it morphs into this thing <laughs> like right wow and this is all the same basic sets of lyrics that he could do this to. It's like, and this is just a song that's just a couple of years old. It's not even like it's, it's watchtower. And he's had a decade to play with it. It's like, this thing is relatively mm. the ink on this is relatively still fresh. And yet he's morphed it into this new thing, uh, you know, with the backup singers. And it's just like, good Lord, this is, this song seems unrecognizable three versions apart, just in the, the space of three years since it's writing. It's not only how much this guy works and produces, it's just that he terrifies me because he's so invent like that in the face of that kind of inventiveness. I'm, I'm a cowering, fearful 
<laughs> Ooh, I'm just tiny in the corner of my room going, look at this guy. I, yeah, you're right. It's, it's astonishing. And then for this to be the only time he pulled that out and then gone with that, right? I'll do it a different way next time. Right. Uh, right. You know, <laughs> only put the flute away, put the bamboo flute away, put the rest of the mandolin away. And I'm off to, to do it in like, oh, have you ever heard the version, his famous influenza version in Prague of Shelter from the Storm? That could be I my. Don't, I don't think I have. All no. time. Okay. But. What, what do you mean the influenza version? Because he mean? was sick as a dog. Oh, as, as, oh, oh, literally influenza. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> he had the flu. As far as I, that's what I've read and spent most of the concert sat down just playing agonized harmonica solos but that could be for me the best shelter from the storm but i this is why i dig this guy so much is that we we can pick or we don't even have to pick we can enjoy this one this one the next tour's version what he's doing now etc and they're all different and they're all weird and wonderful and that's why he's the greatest man it's amazing to think that he released this and street legal the same year i mean that's uh, you know like yeah said in incredibly productive year for somebody uh to i mean and that album was was maligned at the time that makes me think what was what was in the water for people in 1970 i was alive back then but i was a child like what was with people what, what, what was wrong they, with everybody what couldn't they hear i don't know by the way you mentioned you know the audience is <laughs> being very polite and that's yeah. just the you know something in the culture this is the only live version i can think of of it's all right, ma. I'm only bleeding. That doesn't mm. feature the crowd going ape shit at the right. president of the United States line because I think that audience just doesn't is not that culturally it is not. Mm. I get, maybe you you obviously you're the one to answer this, not me. But it feels like that 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 culture is just not designed to be so openly like yeah, the president sucks. <laughs> like that's just not who. <laughs> Japanese people are versus True. people here. We, we are just, as I mentioned on the show, we just did it a couple episodes ago. Like we can't wait to tear our president down. The minute right. we get him in office, we are like, he must be destroyed. And why does he suck? Like, you know, that's just who we are, unfortunately, as a people, but in Japan, that line just in Japan, you just, it just goes by and you hear, yeah. I think you hear a little bit of tittering, a little bit of reaction, but nothing like you hear in all the other live versions. Well, they're also thinking that's your problem guys you know that's up, <laughs> that's up to you all that stuff with your president you know we've got our own problems and you're not talking about that so i think that's what it is but also yeah not a it's not a fist pumping political concert going audience for the most part over here to their credit to their enduring credit you know right right mm. <laughs> i i'm like i said i'm i'm amazed that i'm yeah i would love to talk to somebody like at, in Bob's camp or on Sony's end of it. And I know this stuff is, you know, very closely held secrets and whatever. And I'm, you know, I'm never looking for dirt. It's more just, I'm just fascinated at the process of like, this material has been sitting in a vault for what, mm. you know, 45 years now. And I makes me wonder why now, now I know a lot of this, stuff that's coming out is due to copyrights is copyrights are expiring and they're trying to kind of get ahead of this stuff before it becomes just sort of uh you know it becomes steamboat willy and everybody owns it uh mm -hmm. and so they're trying to market it as best they can and i think they did i mean they, you know i think the the cover is really 
beautiful, though, as as always, I have issues with the font choice, but that's a whole other story. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's, an, it's a good set. I do wish that there had been more. Um, here I am. I, I just got four and a half hours and I want more. But I, would, I wish that some of the other shows had been recorded. Uh, it would have been nice. Again, I would love to know what the cho- you know why those like why just record hmm. those two as opposed to you know because then it's like well it's got to be you know we got to get it tonight otherwise we're kind of screwed live album wise but you know who knows but other but I'm I I will admit when I when they first announced the set I kind of went really that that's what we're getting like as opposed to some other thing as again like hmm. the aforementioned supper club but now that I've heard it it's like you know what these these deluxe sets are reformation projects they are going in and they're they're digging you know kind of like another self-portrait it's like you know what let's go through the material and realize there was more here than he was given credit for at the time mm-hmm. and and you know like okay yeah and it, and it works on that level i i don't know how much i will like go back to this i do a pull out things here and there i don't think i'm going to listen to it from stem to stern again <laughs> You know, right. I, I continue to walk my dog a lot, but I think of other things to listen to. But <laughs> I, I'm 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 just so glad they did this. I'm glad that it's it's for us to hear because it's, it's the guy keeps trying. And good lord, what that's to be commended, no matter how it turns out. Yes, I agree, and it does sound great. It's been, I'm not a really an audiophile. I don't have. I don't have the right stuff to listen to music on really. You know, I'm also walking myself around listening mm-hmm. to music, uh, but it does sound good. I like that. It's very clear. It's sounds like it could have been recorded yesterday. I'm so glad mm-hmm. that they captured these shows so well and that we have them now. Yeah. It's terrific. And, you know, again, it's like that, his wonderful quote from the, from that documentary where he says, man, I, I can't even remember the Rolling Thunder two minutes. I wasn't even born, right? I'm sure he probably feels the same way about this, but that's okay too. You know, he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to feel one way or the other about this, or care about it, or 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 uh, promote it, or whatever. But for us, yeah, it's great. I love to yeah. have it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, thank, yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Sony. Appreciate you guys doing it. Thank you, Sony. Um, yeah. What What do you want? What What do you most want from Sony? Well, see, that's funny because that was going to be my exit question to you, (laughs) which is, yes, I'm looking at my notes, Jason, is that of his live album or to anything, really, what, like, obviously, in terms of studio recordings, like, you know, the in-studio recordings, the number one is Street Legal, the complete set. That's the number, that is the Mm. number one. Yeah. You know, that's what, if they're doing anything else, why doing that? Do Street Legal. But if we're talking live material, what would you want to hear? What what period do you feel maybe either hasn't been plumbed enough or maybe you just want to hear more? You feel like what's out there is still good, but you want to hear more. Is there some live period, some live tour that you love that that would be your choice? That you'd say, oh, like, you know, if they're going to do this, I'd want to hear go to 1985 and pull that material out. Do you have an right. answer for that? Um, <clears throat> I've been on a real... Tom Petty kick recently. I was never a big Tom Petty guy before, apart from mm-hmm. what is that? Full Moon Fever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a big record for me. But after that, I just sort of didn't pay much attention. I really like his stuff and I really dig that he was so close with Dylan. I think a, a 
like that tour that he did. What was it called? True, true Confessions, I think. Or True Confessions. Or, or Temples in Flames. Temples in Flames. Flames. What a great name for a tour. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I could go for some of that. Yeah. Like those guys rocking out like a really well-recorded show from Australia, wherever, you know, like, yeah, that's what I would probably hope for. Are you a Tom Petty guy? Yeah, I love Tom Petty. Sure. Absolutely. Do you know the I, Wildflowers just... album? Do you know that? Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. I, yeah. Ah. It was big, big time. I saw, I saw Tom Petty in concert once. It was uh, absolutely terrific. I saw, him tw- I saw him twice. I saw him at the 30th anniversary concert because he was at that. Yeah, uh, but but then I saw him buy him him and the Heartbreakers by themselves. So, um, yeah, absolutely terrific. That would be great because that uh, that concert film that exists, mm-hmm. uh, the hard to handle, right? Um, is is they, see now? There's another thing. Not to get off, we now they get on another diversion here. But like that's another one where the resultant concert film is really great. It's you get to see Bob up close which yeah. is awesome. And he's with Tom Petty and the heartbreakers and the, all that is great. But what I know of what else was done at those shows where he was covering all sorts of like rockabilly songs and like um, Ricky Nelson songs and all sorts of really fun stuff. None of that is there. None of it. And that, mm. that there is, okay. You asked, do I like, you know, like his live albums. I have a bootleg of from some show around that time where he covered a uh, red Cadillac and a black mustache. Mm-hmm. And it, he has <laughs> such fun with it. And the, the audio quality I have is garbage. It's awful, but I listen to it anyway, because it is so fun. He is having such fun with that song. And I'm like, God, please get me a cleaned up version of this. Yeah. Cause it's so good. And so that there, that's a really great answer. I wasn't even thinking that Jason, but that's a terrific answer. Cause that's one where, the hard to handle video, I think, is terrific, but we also know, oh my God, there was so much other fun stuff that they didn't do, and that, mm. and that winds us back to Budokan. That I something else I wanted to mention was I never understand how record companies put these things together or whether Bob is involved, but like, okay, they put out the Budokan album in 1978, right, and they don't throw in the Repossession Blues. They don't yeah. throw in love. Like I would think you would say, okay, look, diehard Bob Dylan fans are going to buy this. So let's throw them a bone by throwing in something really unique. I mean, by throwing in something that obscure, are you really like going to ruin your say? Like, you know, is some casual fan that was thinking of buying this is going to go, what's that? Forget it. I'm not buying it. Like, you know, like <laughs> I always think the hell with this. Yeah. Yeah. The hell with this. Not enough, not enough versions of watchtower for me, you know, like, that's like I, I always think when he does those one-offs, throw it in there because the audience, your audience, is the diehard people, and like they're gonna love that unique thing, and they don't do that mm, for the for right. the one in seventy. It's just sort of baffling to me. But anyway, that's a great answer. I think the Temples and Flames thing would be awesome yeah. to hear a full set. Yeah, yeah, four hours, eight yeah. hours. As many hours as they want to give us. Absolutely. All the hours they have. Totally. All the hours. Um, Take it all. Okay. This is slightly different. Maybe connected. Maybe not. But have you heard the the last Beatles song, Rob Kelly? Yes, of course. Of course. What did you you make of that? Uh, Well, you're really trying to get me into trouble here, I'm trying to get Um, you into trouble. 
Rob Kelly. Yeah, uh, the way you, you say my name and <laughs> you say my full you? name like like you're like you're you know like I'm on, on trial here. Um, I, it's a, it was all right. I thought it was all right. I mm. I I I don't think you know, Jason. What are you doing to me? This is the first show of the new year. I want to start off on a positive note. I don't think okay. it sounds like a I don't think it sounds like a Beatles song to me. And I don't I don't know what even that even means because you say, well, what is that what does a Beatles song sound like? Does it sound like a hard day's night or does it sound like Right. Let you know, it be here comes or, the sun or let it sure. be or um, you know, Maxwell Silver Hammer? I mean, you know, okay. they, they, they I, I just to me it sounds like a John Lennon song with some other stuff in the background and on that in that context i think it's a perfectly fine song but it Mm -hmm. didn't sound like a beatles song to me the way i think of a beatles song so i kind of went all right it was it was okay i'm glad it exists i mean it's great but i it didn't it didn't it didn't wow me the way i at the same time when you're pre-selling it as the last beatles song you're Mm -hmm. setting everybody up to be disappointed because you've given it (laughs) such a you know, you front loaded it to, in such a way okay. that only you know. Okay, fair play. But do you think something similar will be done with Bob when? Well, because he's never going to die, so I guess we don't have to worry about it. Yeah, exactly. But, but uh, do you think they're going to take an AI Bob God. stuff and release it to us as the last <sighs> Bob Dylan record? Do you God. think that's? What do you a... think that's what we're looking at now? What a horrible thought. What a horrible, horrible! I, I can only hope that that whatever control his family is going to have over that is they are not going to allow that. Unlike, say, Jimmy Stewart's family or Edith Piaf's family, who are apparently are allowing these things to happen. I, I, right. I hope that's not the case. But I, my, my, my hope is that anybody that would be interested in that is going to be a diehard, and the diehards probably would be offended and be like, no, I don't want that. And plus, well, yeah, he's got so much material that's still right. unreleased that you could just keep releasing stuff and not have to go down that. I know you hate it. Rabbit hole. Um, but uh, I, I, I hope that that's not the case. I don't want to see that. I don't want, I don't want to mm. see an AI Bob Dylan. I want you, you things gain meaning by their, by, by their, by their, they're transitory natures and uh, you know, we're, we're, we're mortal beings and, and we, things gain resonance by the fact that we can only experience them a limited period of time. And the minute you say something is just last, no, it lasts forever. I think it, it loses that meaning, mm. you know? And so if, if, if like, Oh, Bob Dylan, you know, he dies at a, the 107, but we're going to keep, cranking out songs that would just feel like well you know just a bastardization i would think of everything that he's about in a lot of ways right. so I, yeah. I hope that i hope they don't do it you know, i hope they don't i have a feeling that 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 beatles song was mostly because paul is trying to come to grips with with john in his life right mm-hmm. that's what it always struck me uh, uh, what it always struck me as about that's not grammatically correct, but you know mm. what I mean. It's it's Paul trying to, I don't know, uh, get it together with his feelings about John. I don't know that there's, you know, what do we have? Sony, I guess, right? Sony doesn't have any feelings about Bob, do they? It's just uh, yeah. product as far as they're concerned. I don't think 
we're going to get the same kind of thing because he didn't have any partners that are going to go, I need closure with Mm -hmm. Bob, Mm -hmm. right? Sony doesn't need closure with Bob. They just need to sell more and more records, which I would imagine will continue for decades to come. That guy's, that vault, right? Yeah, I I guess we should all be happy uh, in some ways that Bob Dylan, while obviously a massively successful musician, has never had the sales success that I mm. think might inspire that level of naked avarice. Right. Uh, you know what I mean? Avarice. Yes. Uh, it's just, it, I mean, it, it, you market something as the last Beatles song, you're going to sell tens of millions of, uh, well, I was going to say copies, but that's how old I am. Streams, downloads, mm. whatever, because it's the last Beatles song. Would 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 a, Bob, would a Bob Dylan AI song after he's shuffled off this mortal coil have that same commercial appeal probably not because he doesn't he's he's not playing he's not taylor swift he's not he's not selling out 50 million tickets of you know what i mean and uh, so we could be we should be kind of happy about that like he's a little more you know (laughs) to quote spinal tap his appeal is becoming more selective but i mean there is (laughs) there is there is that a little i mean you know excellent i I, I could only hope that his family yeah. you know loves him to the point where they say no we're that is that is not a thing we're ever going to do don't even ask you know right um there's not going to be an avatar concert of bob dylan you know, oh what a, de- what a depressing yeah. uh, it, the, the the thing that gives me hope is that quote we're really getting off the beam here from Budokan, but that <laughs> the 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 quote in the at near the end of howard i don't know how you pronounce his name sounds Sounds mm-hmm. I forget how you say his name. The the down the highway, his biography of Bob Dylan. And in the the the, the back chapter where he talks about researching uh, researching the book and whatever, and he said that he actually got Sarah Dylan's phone number and he got a hold of it and called her. And he said, you know, I call he he calls her and he gets oh, however much he gets out of uh, his you know how much he gets to say but he gets enough out that she can figure out what he who he is and what she want what he wants uh-huh. and apparently according to howard he says in the book she just went she said something like oh please and plopped down the receiver and that was the end of it and That's i remember thinking good on you sarah that you know mm. 40 years hence you are still so uh, protective of your life and his life and right. I hope that that's I hope that that's the that that's the mentality his family maintains is just you know yes. so some Sony executive or Universal executive is like hey what about if we paired a Bob Dylan AI with a a Paul McCartney AI, AI and then and... we'll have a Beatles Dylan song and they just say f off we're not doing it. <laughs> the last Beatles Dylan song oh yeah. what a horrible they never actually recorded together but now they can thanks now to they technology. will. Yeah. Oh Let's well, just strip everything of all meaning. Okay. <laughs> Let's God. strip everything of all meaning. Okay. <laughs> Temples well, in flames, man. <laughs> Temples in flames. Well, here's some good news for you. Um, here's the first thing. We need to start a band called Naked Avarice together, you and me. Okay. It's a great band name. It's a great Yeah, band. but let's let's do that. Um Ratso Sloman has agreed to appear on my podcast. 
breaking news here on the show. Breaking news. So he said, give me six months because I'm working on the screenplay. But after that, yeah, I'll be glad to come on. I thought, holy shit, Rats so Sloman. Like, that's going to be a fun talk. That's going to be very fun. Oh, my goodness. So uh, does that cheer you up a little bit? I, well, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't in need of being cheered up. But well, I, yeah, apart from I'm the Beatles to- and... The Beatles well, and Dylan. Yeah. What is the name? No, of I'm very happy that your show is terrific and I'm very happy Thanks, for you. That's man. a great booking. That's yeah, really no, fun. that'll be really cool. But I'm, um, I'm, of course, you know, I've read his, uh, his Dylan book, but he also, sure. he also, uh, was responsible for writing Peter Chris's book. Wow. From makeup to breakup, I believe it's called as corny <laughs> as possible. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm getting closer and closer, man. I'm going to have, a kiss member on my show before you know it, you know, and then Dylan, why not? <laughs> uh, you know, you got to shoot your shot, man. What can you, what can you say? Uh, well, why don't you, why, well, now that you've, you've, you've obliquely mentioned it as we're wrapping obliquely. up, why don't you tell yes. people what your show is? Cause it's terrific. Okay. Thank you. Uh, my podcast is called writers read their early shit and it's about creativity in the early days and the earliest possible days. Uh, you know, Oh man, even Douglas Copeland might be coming on. Do you know this? You don't know this. This is no. a secret. I no. can't believe I mentioned it, but uh, yeah, that would be great too. Like I, holy cow, all these famous people are actually just people who talk on mm-hmm. podcasts. You never know. You never know. But you always got to try. You, always got to you, try. Yeah. You've said before you wouldn't want Bob to come on your show, right? I, well. I mean, come would on. Would you? I mean, would you? Of course, of course, I would. If they reached out to me, yes. am I going to turn that down? Of course, I'm not, because that would mean that Bob is viewing it in a different way than I thought he would, and so of course I would do it. But, but that said, but do you think it, you could do it? That's the question. That's like, well, that is the question because that's the thing is that that Bob. The last thing Bob wants from what we hear about him is the, and it's understandable. The last thing he wants is someone slobbering over him, telling him how great he is. And this show is all about how great he is. Right. So it's like the, 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 this show's format by its. That's a problem from the get go. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. It, right from step one, we're, we're not in the right headspace for, for but, that. To be. That said, if I got an email from Sony or, you know, whatever it is, B Dylan at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, and he was like, you know what? I really, I just want to talk about one of I my I want to come songs. on and I want to talk about Thunder on the Mountain. Is that cool? Yeah. Could I come on and talk about Thunder on the Mountain? Talk about Joey. Whatever you want to talk about. We'll talk about Bound and Plain D. Whatever you want to talk about. It's all good, do you, man. Yeah, do you think course. you could, do you think you could handle it though? Really? No. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> no. Fair play. I don't think fair, I could. Fair play. It would all depend on the context. Like, if, like over Zoom? No. You know, I I, mm. I think if I was sitting in a room with him, and then he's there, and and you're you're kind of in the same physical space, but I think over Zoom it would just be so in like sitting here in my studio and looking, and turning my screen on, and there's like I can't, I, yeah, I can't even wrap my head around. I'm it. trying to imagine the background. You know, he's sitting there going, oh, wanna, oh, oh, hi, Rob, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I don't know. He I he's well, there's photos of him playing pinball. Maybe he'd see by pinball machine and he would talk about that. I don't know. Are you worried about it because it might be I mean, of course you would be, you know, you would lose your shit, of course, and who wouldn't? But are you also worried that it just it would be disappointing? It'd be kind of 
you know, it wouldn't work out. It wouldn't be the great conversation that you'd always dreamed of having with him in your dreams, right? I don't think that's it. I, I think my takeaway from, <laughs> hey, everybody, you can stop listening. Hey, everybody, here, stop right? listening. Although you're 300 episodes in, you know, come on. My My reaction to when I have had someone on one of my shows who I deeply admire, whether it's my MASHcast show, I've talked to cast members from that show, or my fade-out show when I've talked to screenwriters or actors or people whose work I really admire. My my main takeaway as a podcast host is I want them to not feel as though they wasted their time. Mm. That's my main takeaway. I want them to get off the, the call saying, that was a fun conversation. That guy asked me some interesting questions, and he clearly really appreciated what I do or what I did or, or whatever. And that's, that's all I can ask for. And so that's all that I, I don't, I don't go into it with preconceived notions of I need to have this moment or it's not worth it. And so obviously if you're talking about Bob Dylan, it's that worry times 11 billion because right. the guy does so much. And, and, you know, literally I'm like, well, if I spend two hours with him, that's two hours of songs. He's not writing. I'm taking, I'm, I'm I've, 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 you know, I might taken away from the world. It's very generous song. of you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, mm. but that's that's really that's really what it is, is is more that. I I I won't mention who it is, but like I had somebody on one of my podcasts a couple of years ago who I I deeply, deeply admire. And after I was done, they wrote me an email and said that was a marvelous conversation. I thoroughly mm. enjoyed it. We played the show back for my family, they loved it. And if you ever need anything from me, just let me know. I'm happy to anything you need. And oh. I have that. I printed that email and I have it on my wall. That's because, marvelous. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, well, that's a, that's the absolute best possible sure. reception. You re, re, you know, response. You could have from someone who felt like, oh, I added to their life by having this conversation. So would I feel like I feel like I could be respectful enough to Bob that I wouldn't be a slobbering goon. Mm-hmm. But. You know, Slippering you know. Goom. That's our other band. <laughs> That's where we got a lot of bands. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think I think I think if you came at it honestly, I think he would respond honestly. I don't I don't, yeah. you know, I, I think the only times I've ever seen him in interviews where I think he's a little bit of a dick, and he can be, mm. is when I think someone is trying to get something out of him or trying to like box him in a little uh rhetorically. Yeah. That's yeah. when I think he says something kind of he he does like a um faints left but goes right where he says something purposely kind of like wow that was a weird dickish thing to say and I almost think that's just to throw people off but I think yeah. if you sat down and just said hey man I love the work and I would love to talk to you about um you know what your favorite song of of yours is of, of mine series of dreams man can I talk about this can I just tell you what it means to me yeah. This is what it means to me. I think he'd respond to that. Maybe I'm I completely right. wrong, but I think he would. No, that would be, or, hey, Bob, come on and talk about your favorite song, whatever that is. Yeah. And he, he'd go, it's called, it's a song you never heard before. Oh, it's totally. Friday the 13th Blues, man. And you're like, okay, whatever that is. And yeah, then he would talk about that and he would, he would be, it's like from that book, from his book, you know, he'd be so great and weird about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that would work if you said, but Bob, by the way, can I tell you about how much I, yeah, that's where you get into trouble, right? That's yeah, where we that's... always get into trouble. Yeah. And it's, mm. I would imagine that that would be uncomfortable for most people. 
you know, is just to, to be like, you know, to have someone but just kind of really losing it over you. I sort of thought you would say I'd rather not at all because it's too it's too dangerous, right? Like your I feelings for him, mine too. You know, you maybe just leave it, leave it. Don't I really would want never, to talk to him or meet him, you know? Right. I would never pursue it. I would never pursue it yeah. because of that reason. But if somehow it got he, it, it came back to me <laughs> that, hey, you know, we know for a fact that Tony Garnier knows this show exists, whether he listens to it, I don't know. But right. we know we I know for a fact he knows it exists. Tony listens to the show one day and is like, hey, Bob, this show is actually really pretty good. And they play it on the bus. And yeah. Bob is Bob tells his guy, "Hey, reach out to, reach out to after that listening, guy." Even, after listening to this episode, he goes, "Hey, listening to this episode, both of those guys on the horn, man." Yeah, yeah. I'm totally. straight back to Japan. There you go. Yeah, right. Exactly. I'm gonna find that find girl that, that left behind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> find the geisha I left behind. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm, All right. Okay, well, man. we we've rambled on long enough, everybody. Thank you so much for for indulging me. Thank you for listening. If you've been following the show. For 300 episodes. This is kind of amazing. I've done this many of them. Like I, when I started the show in 2016, if someone had said, you're going to do at least 300 of them, I would get the hell out of here. That's nuts. But here we are. And uh, we have no intention of, of stopping it. Jason, you'll be on before then, but I certainly hope to have you around for, for pod Dylan 400 when the time comes. Cheers, man. Anything from down in the groove. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. <laughs> We're finally going to get to they killed him. We're finally going yes. to do that one. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Actually, let's do it. Here we go. All oh, right. Dear. What better way to celebrate 400 episodes than they <laughs> Happy killed Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, all thank you all for listening. And yes, we, this is our first show of 2024. So happy New Year, everybody. Hope it was a uh, safe and happy uh, New Year. And we're looking forward to all the other stuff that we got coming for Pod Dylan. Um, there's going to be maybe some technical developments on uh on on our end which will enable us to come up with some interesting new uh content i hate that word but there it is and uh hopefully we'll be able to um get into all that as as the year rolls on and i hope you uh stick around i think it's going to be a lot of fun stuff so of course you can find this show over on social media at twitter and on blue sky as pot dylan and if you want to support the show and hear our full extended episodes every week Plus our bonus shows. Please subscribe to Pod Dylan on Apple Podcasts or on fmpods.com. So that is going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you later. Bye. Well, I'm not a god of folk songs. Then what are you? I'm just a person.